Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. Well, you've heard me talk about Fume before. I'm trying to get Dawson on Fume and get him to stop smoking. It's the number one natural way to quit smoking. Fume takes the benefits of super plants, behavioral science, and lovely design to make quitting smoking hopefully a little easier. They've got the hand-to-mouth replacement with the plant-packed core study to curb cravings, and they taste and smell great. There's no smoke, no vape, no nicotine, no harmful chemicals whatsoever, and it's a design that you don't have to hide. Flavors that taste great, and they work to curb cravings, ease stress, and improve your breathing as you cease the, the use of tobacco and the inhalation of tobacco smoke. Go to breathefume.com slash Drew. That's B-R-E-T-H-E-F-U-M dot com slash Drew. If you are a smoker, there is simply nothing more important for your health. There's nothing you can do that's more important than stopping smoking. Use my code Drew to save 10% on your order today. One fume and four packs of cores studied to curb cravings and get you on the path to be nicotine and tobacco-free. Tobacco-free, most importantly. That's right. It is breathefume.com slash Drew and code Drew to save 10% on your order. Well, here we are on lockdown. How are you? It's Booker of the Perez Hilton Podcast with Chris Booker. We get it. We know you're bored. We're still doing shows. We're keeping you up to date with everything entertainment. A little bit of relief from everything that's going on in the world. You could get the show on Spotify. You could get it on your Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app. Whatever you do, download it, subscribe, and get the PHP, the Perez Hilton podcast with Chris Booker, and everything that's entertainment will be covered. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Dr. Podcast. Uh, today, we're just going to take calls. Uh, do, do remember to keep the winds and the sails of the Corolla pirate ship. Check me out on Locals. Uh, I think it's... Local slash Dr. Drew slash locals.com, the locals group. Uh, we have a good time over there. Also, uh, don't forget to follow me on uh, Instagram, Dr. Drew Pinsky, Twitter at Dr. Drew, and also TikTok at Dr. Drew. I try to do some live uh, pods there, live, uh, what do you call them, sessions, I guess. And uh, also at Dr. Drew TV, we're doing live streaming shows um, mostly Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but sometimes we mix it up uh, throughout the week. But at least three times a week, we're getting on there with very interesting guests. As I said today, we're just going to be doing your calls, so let's get right to it. Um, this is Sam. Sam, what's going on? Uh-oh. Hold on. There you are. Sam, what's up? Hey, how you doing, Dr. Mommy? Good, Mommy. What's up, Jeans? Hey, uh, so I have a brown question. It's kind of weird. Um, mm-hmm. It's been happening to me a lot lately, and I've been wanting to ask you. Okay. Um, so whenever I go brown, um, my nose starts running. It's every single time, hmm. and I have to blow my nose. Interesting. Is that, have you ever heard of that? Or I mean, I the nose blowing and nose nasal congestion is a funny thing. P- people, it's it's a it's a product of our autonomic nervous system, right? Something causes the vessels in our surface of our nose to dilate, and that dilation causes fluid to come out, and that's what you're blowing out. And that vasodilatation can be. Caused by lots of different things. For some people, it's sexual arousal. For some people, it's urinating. For some people, it's defecating. It, it's just a leftover function, you know, when you learn how to control your bowels, probably, that there was some sort of huh. – your body had a reaction to it in some way. and Or maybe it's just part of your wiring. Maybe maybe it isn't even developmental. Maybe it's just that that's your wiring. It doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. It can be a nuisance. Like a lot of people get it with, with sexual arousal or orgasm and it's sort of – they start sneezing and things and it can be unpleasant uh, for the partner or something they want to try to control. But nothing – nothing. Uh, it's good browning. Good browning, my friend. Good it's browning. All, good okay. browning. It's all good. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks, Sam. All right. All right. See you. Yeah. Uh, in uh, in what Sam is talking about, calling me a mommy and all that, is uh, your mom's house where I have a podcast called Dr. Drew After Dark. You might want to check it out. It's also a YouTube. You know, you get that over. You can find it on drdrew.com. And uh, we have a lot of fun over there. I swear to God, the Booth Boys and I have been uh, getting it on quite interestingly. And I just went down to um, Austin this last week and had a bunch of reunions. So uh, here we go. Are you guys in a real studio yet or is it still in Annie's living room? It's Annie's uh, sort of extra bedroom. 
it's but I like that. I like I like the chaos. You know me, I like chaos. Sure. And and so it's um Sure. Million followers on YouTube and we're doing it out of a guy's well, apartment. Well, but they 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 they're all moved down there. Any has a beautiful house by the way. It's not an apartment. It's a really nice house. Okay. And they and they've done a great job setting up the studio, but but it's it's clearly fly by night and we have a handwritten sign behind me. Yeah. But, but that, I, I've seen it. it. It's it's an interesting look. It's just I I guess what I'm I'm sitting here as a listener, kind of confused by, and I'm sure Tom, I, I could send Tom off a ledge if I were to bring this up. But I thought the whole point of moving to Texas was people don't fuck with you. How is it so hard to build a studio? It, it, it has something to do with where they're building it. I think in the city, they're building it in Austin. Okay, and, and you're right, people. That he's having more trouble with the construction than he expected. I don't know if it might be even like materials and things getting that. Now that would make sense, yeah. but he's play, the way he's playing it off on the podcast is as though it's a regulatory problem. I know, I know, and I'm sure it pisses him off. I'm I'm confused as a Californian I who know. It, it it seems appealing to me to flee to a state where no one's going to fuck with me, and then I hear about these people trying to do it, yes. and they well, have all the money in the world. Yes, and and I will tell you there is there are no masks in Texas. Yeah, except. Visiting Californians and New Yorkers. Well, I'll you blow, I'll blow your mind, away. Drew. You don't have to go to Texas. Come down to Orange County. <laughs> I've, been, I've done that. It that's, is on. That's why we just. That's why we hide out down there. Yeah, but it is interesting how how this mass thing has become a social phenomenon, not a medical issue at no, all. No, it's a it's a virtue signaling. I'm a good person type of thing. Pure it seems. Simple. Yeah, yeah. I, it's weird. Yeah, it's uh, it's a different mm-hmm. world down in Orange County. It's yeah, a, thirty miles. There was a great study I haven't talked about on this podcast. Where a Stanford researcher looked at Stanford students riding bicycles. I think I talked about this. You talked about it on A and D, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is it essentially revealed twenty percent helmet wearing, sixty percent mask wearing, outdoors riding a bike. With let's just let's just let me state the facts: zero probability of COVID transmission outdoors riding a bike. Zero. This virus does not move through moving air. It can't. And so zero probability, uh, high probability of hitting your head riding a bike, uh, and yet uh, the smartest students in the country are uh, over there um, just uh, biking away, wearing their masks. Hey, good times. I went running the other day, and somebody recoiled from me because I didn't have a mask on. That is uh, – that's not science, everybody. And by the way, the whole notion of follow the science, I think that's a misguided notion. Science is a, is a discourse. It's a dialogue. It's not – the interpretation of science is a social phenomenon. It's not science. Uh, let me talk to Sam. Sam, what's going on? Hey, Sam. Hope you're there. Call it goes by Sam there from Seattle. Are. There you are. Go ahead. Yep. Hi. Uh, so would you, you know, looking back in history, how would you describe the current meth, meth problem now versus alcohol abuse versus crack cocaine? Uh, give me a little. Country. Give me a little more about what you mean by how would I describe it? Like how bad? How severe is it? Like it's, when, it's, you, when I look it, at the history of like, I, I um, would or I would urge you to read Sam Quinonius's book. Is it out yet? As this podcast airs, uh, it's called "The Least of Us," and in and also listen to the pod I do with Sam if you want to hear exactly. Right. I heard it. It was really good. All right. That just um, came out, yeah. And okay. his book is available now, too, as you listen. Okay. So, right. uh, Sam, uh, and this is another Sam I'm talking to now. Sam Quinonius is a fucking genius. Uh, he he nailed the opioid epidemic when he wrote the book Dreamland. Uh, he is just a serious mind. The full title of his new book is The Least of Us, True Tales of America and Hope in the Time of Fentanyl and Meth. He also did an interview on Econ Talk, which I thought was rather rather compelling. And he chronicles why we have the meth problem we have. In other words, essentially the drug dealers and the cartels are now unmoored from a production standpoint from any limited resource. In other words, they don't need poppies. They don't need ephedra. They don't need pseudoephedrine. They make everything from chemicals that are widely available on the shelf in stores. And they make these things by the ton. And in Sam's book, he shows in no uncertain terms exactly how the distribu- what the impact of the distribution of the meth is. You can literally follow it into the cities and what you see is it drives people to the streets, and you see a marked increase in marked homelessness increase, and uh, it's sort of one of the sources, if not the source, of 
the growth in harm- homelessness right now. And it drives people to the street fast. I've seen it. I've seen not everybody, but this new meth is is more, you know, if this is the way Sam describes it, scrambling to your brain. It's more likely to induce manias, more likely to induce psychosis, and more and more rapidly. Why that happens, I've not seen any good explanation of that. But I can tell you as a matter of fact, people that get on this drug, that smoke it, end up on the streets very quick. And they're psychotic and they isolate and all all the all the the hoarding and all the dismantled bicycles and equipment you see outside the tent, those are symptoms of meth psychosis. So if somebody inside outside has that, inside that's somebody using meth on a regular basis. It also makes you isolate. So the tent is kind of a perfect place for people to go. You can't – when you're psychotic with meth, you can't tolerate being in a room, but you can tolerate being in a tent and you want to be alone. And there it is. So it's a, it's a perfect setup and a perfect storm. And if the government doesn't start to talk honestly about this, we're never going to solve this problem. So I would say, so you're saying you want to be the government were to start dealing with meth directly. I mean, what is then? Is it a crackdown? Is it go after producers? Is it? I think, uh, you know, work without the government to go after producers. Is I think it, to well, find a therapeutic like Narcan that would just work, or yeah, so there are, there are no therapeutics for this, unfortunately. And the, the yeah, I mean, to develop one like, uh, you know, in the future. Uh, having I don't treated, know. treated many many meth psychoses, I, I don't see a good solution to that. But but uh, e, 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 to me. First, deal with it at the pro- – you know, first acknowledge the problem, right? All I want them right. to do first is go, here's what the problem is. Now, it, it, to me, would have a multi-pronged approach. One hand would no longer sort of wave your hand and give these people a pass for using meth. There needs to be some consequence, something that motivates them into treatment. And then we need to focus on treating the meth addiction. Then we need to focus on the distribution. There's got to be a crackdown, I guess, a, a legal, you know, police crackdown on the distribution, and there's got to be somebody going at the source. It just seems to me that if you don't do those things, uh, this will just continue to worsen. And people that are people that are out there on meth are sacrificed. These lives are completely sacrificed to essentially ignorance and a political agenda. They'd rather, ta- you know, put a black eye on people that are able to own a house. And say, look how horrible it is. These people can't afford housing. And let them stand as that sort of uh, yeah. poster child for that while they die of addiction. And let's let's be right. very clear. Addiction is a fatal disease. They usually get their hands on fentanyl when they're out there doing meth as well. And meth damages the brain in longstanding permanent ways. These people will never be the same if they use long enough. So, yeah, more yeah. accurate to describe it as a, as a meth problem than that. Housing problem or anything else? Well, or is it, I just I the last time I was out in, in uh, Skid Row, I was with it was Michael Schellenberger. In fact, uh, I was with a group of people, and I always and I was with some recovering drug addicts too, which was really important. What do you? Schellenberger was just on Rogan. Yes, he was just on Rogan. He talked about these things. I thought I thought it was interesting the way that he rejects the term homelessness and likes to reframe it as open drug scene. I thought that was well, that, that it helped my mind. Well, that happened in the room with me. Essentially, I don't know that I caused him to think that way, but we were in a room. We, we went out to Skid Row. We had a bunch of recovering people and Sam and me and some other students and stuff. And we went back in. And usually, when I've got out gotten out on Skid Row, I think. Eh, there's some social issues. There's some mental health stuff. There's a lot of addiction. I went out there this time. I was like, oh, this is all addiction. I just came back and I said, I said, this, this, let's not kid, kid ourselves. This is all addiction. And I talked to the Union Mass Commission people. I go, tell me that anybody comes in without addiction anymore. No, nobody. All addiction. It's all addiction. It saved the severe schizophrenics that are out there screaming at things. But even those people are getting their hands on drugs. It's so pervasive. And because I was on the streets with recovering drug addicts, they could show me where the drugs were. I was I was blind to this. Uh, have I interviewed Anthony Brown on this podcast? Yes, you have. Yeah, maybe you can look up that. Um, I'll get you the number. Yeah, I'm doing so much content these days. I can't keep track where I'm doing it all. But um, Anthony Brown is a, re- a friend of mine. He's a nurse. He's a recovering drug addict. And Anthony goes, he goes, here, come here. He goes, look. He goes, see that guy? That guy's the spotter. Okay, that guy's spotting. This other guy's the security. He's checking out where the cops are. And this lady over here, she has meth in her vagina. And I was like, "What? How did you? How do you know that?" He's like, "I, I know. I, that's what's going on here." And I was blind to all of it. And he could show me on every corner where this was going on. So that one came out uh, October seventh, twenty twenty. 
We stopped naming ago. it. We stopped numbering them at a certain while ago when <laughs> Apple got Apple tried okay. to ban that, and oh, really? the okay. podcast community freaked out, and they reversed it three months later. But we had already changed. All right, so October a year ago, we talked to Anthony, and uh, and Schallenberger was there, and I was really impressed with his thinking and what he. And I thought he was going to make a difference, and he, lo and behold, he has. He's focusing on children, moms of children that die of fentanyl. That that's his way in, and uh, good. That's a way in. It's another way in. Uh, but we'll see if we can get some attention for it. I mean, the California government is so wedded to this narrative they have, that, and the and the idea that drug addicts are leaving their best lives when they're on the streets dying. And that, how can they? How can they look at that and say that? But anyway, so uh, that's that's California. Good times. Uh, Sam, anything else you wanted to say? Phones ringing, Gary. Oh, right. I mean, if it's so great, how come everybody doesn't, just doesn't take meth and live their best life? <laughs> right. I love that. Yeah, take their logic to the, to the conclusion. Yeah, meth is a – It's you know, I back in the 90s, maybe it was early 2000s, so I ran a large addiction recovery program for about 25 years and a uh, lot of cocaine. I was there. You, you mentioned something about the cocaine epidemic, the crack epidemic. And uh, I have some degree of embarrassment about how my profession managed the crack academic. Thank God I did not. I dealt with it the way I deal with any other drug addiction, which is it's an illness, it's a brain disease, and my crack patients were crack patients, and that's that. Uh, but the world sort of treated that the, as a criminal problem, and they treated the opioid epidemic as an unfortunate pandemic in the suburban communities of white people. And so that's embarrassing. My profession should take a take – a, well, and then with alcohol, like alcohol abuse back in the early 1900s, it led to what? Uh, it led to everything. Um, homelessness. The a ban of alcohol. Homelessness. Yeah, like, well, it led to homelessness. But you know what's very funny? So this same day that we, I was in the streets with Michael Schallenberger, um, I, uh, I was with the head of the Union Rescue Mission, Anthony Bales. And his father was the head, and his grandfather was head of a similar mission. And he goes, yeah, my dad – I think he said his – maybe it was his grandfather. He said his grandfather used to come down the turn of the century, and there were all bars downtown. He said, and we would roll up with the wagon, and the guys that were interested in stopping using got on the wagon. And I thought, oh, my God, that's where that came from. Holy Christ. So they literally would take the alcoholics, pile them onto the wagon, and bring them to the missions and help them get sober. Very interesting. Uh, there's also another war going on with uh, faith-based missions, uh, 12-step programs that have a concept of God, all these things. They need to shut up and let these people do their services, do their work. Anything, any, We should have an army of as many different things, possible different variations on theme to help people as we could possibly get our hands on. If these work for people, you do them. And you then you study it and you look how well it works and why it works. And then you start recommending it if, if the science bears it up. And right now, the uh, Mutual Aid Society uh, had a massive Cochrane analysis by Dr. Kelly at Harvard, which shows in no uncertain terms, again, with clarity, 12-step is one of the and sometimes the most effective treatments when abstinence is your goal, and it's free. Free, free, free. So why would we get in the way of that? Thanks, Sam. Appreciate the call. Very interesting stuff. Thinking about it a lot these days. Uh well, if you like free stuff, you are in luck because Buy Optimizer's Black Friday deal starts now. And not only are they giving you huge discounts all month long, they're also giving away over $200 with a free gifts. That's right. I have an exclusive advance invite to buy Optimizer's Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals for the entire month of November. This is the best sale of the year. If you're stressed out or haven't been sleeping well, you are not alone. Look what's going on in the world. You might not be able to change all the chaos, but you can start supplementing with one key nutrient that could help improve your sleep quality. 600 other biochemical reactions are affected as well. I remember when I was a resident, as I've said to you many times, my fellow was always beating on me about the importance of magnesium. And most magnesium supplements are failed because they're synthetic and not full spectrum. When you get all seven forms of magnesium, all the functions are affected. Right now, for the entire month of November, the makers of Magnesium Breakthrough, that of course is Bioptimizers, are having a Black Friday Cyber Monday blowout sale on their best-selling magnesium. All month long, you'll get 10% off with our unique code plus access to over $200 in free gifts, including books and more of their best-in-class products to sample. Best time to stock up is now and take advantage of all the free extras you're going to get. 
I have been recommending this product this year, of course, but I've never seen discounts like they have this month. Not to mention the amazing bonus gifts they're giving away of extra products, books, and other amazing limited-time specials. You can only get this exclusive deal through our link. For our Dr. Drew podcast listeners, you won't find this on Amazon or even the Bioptimizers website. Go to magbreakthrough.com slash Drew. Use code Drew 10 to get your discount and free gifts. Again, that is magbreakthrough.com slash Drew and then code Drew 10 And you should know that all Bioptimizer supplements are best in class. If for some reason you feel differently, you can get a full refund up to one year after your purchase. No questions asked. Again, right now, the exclusive deal available at magbreakthrough.com slash Drew with code DrDrew10. Do it now while supplies last, and don't miss the November 30th deadline. Bowl and Branch, everybody. I cannot tell you how much I love their products. Uh, if you've never tried Bowl and Branch, it is time you did. Uh, listen, I know I'm not alone. Susan raves about the sheets and the pillowcases. Uh, it's just they, they really are they, – they've gone to great lengths to make sure the quality – is as high as possible, but that the price is not, frankly. Uh, they, of course, their signature hem sheets. That's their all-time best seller. Um, they have buttery soft, lightweight sheets made with 100% organic cotton weave. Feels incredible. That's right. Bull and Branch holds themselves to the highest standards across the board, from sourcing pure organic cotton to putting workers' rights first. And it's not just their sheets that are made the right way. They have pillow, bath towel, robes. They're all just highest quality. This Cyber Week, gift your loved one the best sleep of their lives or treat yourself with Bowl and Branch. Their holiday packaging and famous soft sheets, blankets, pillows, and more make a difference that everyone will feel. And get 25% off. That's right, 25% off November 23rd through December 2nd with their best offer of the year at Bowl and Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D-B-R-A-N-C-H, Bowl and Branch, 25% off at Bowl, B-O-L-L, and Branch.com. Exclusions may apply. Uh, Taylor, what's going on? It takes a while to get everyone on the phone here. I wonder what that is. People I think just, people mute themselves when they're on hold for an extended period of forget. time. <laughs> they, they must. But caller who goes by Taylor. Taylor, Virginia. There we are. Yes, that's me. Yeah. Okay, so my question is, what does it mean when a guy leaves his kids for another woman? Uh, it's meaning it, – I, I, give me very specifics if because you, you're talking about a specific guy. Right. Okay, uh, so, so I have two kids with this guy. How long have you been um, with he this? He has a how girlfriend. Long, how long have you been with oh. this guy? Um, I've known him for maybe 12, 13 years. We dated for maybe around like five years, okay. and we had two kids. In those five within years? Within that five years. Okay. Yes, we just had our second child uh, in July, so she's only she's three months now, and he met this girl that does she has a kid as well she her kid is the same age as our four-year-old son and uh he told me that she didn't like him having kids so he just pretty much dropped off the face of earth right for, so i'm for, not understanding for, for moms to like, do that it's very unusual for dads to do that it's very common unfortunately okay i mean watch the series teen mom watch the watch the 16 and pregnant teen series None of those women are with the dads that uh, were the biological fathers. None of them. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe one or two in, in the whole series. The the guys just are deadbeats, and they just they just move on. Uh, and having you know this these kinds of relationships, it's a, it's frankly a sign of a personality problem uh, or a drug okay. addiction. Is he a drug user? I know she. The girlfriend is. She's a heavy weed smoker. Yeah. And uh, him, I don't know. What you need to look at is why was I attracted to a guy that could be so coldly abandoning? And the mm-hmm. reason people are attracted to horrible abandoning people is usually their father or their mother was a horrible abandoning person. So I'm going to guess your dad ab- abandoned you guys, right? Uh, b- both mother and father, like they were, they would come. The dad was more in the picture than the mom, my mom, uh, but pretty much I didn't live with them. I was raised by my mother's mother, which is my grandmother. Right. So ter- terrible abandonment, right? Both parents abandoned. Were, were your yeah. parents addicts or alcoholics? Nope. 
No. And I believe my mother has some kind of mental disorder that was never diagnosed because she's you, you can just tell it's, yeah, something's it, off it, there. It, my it, dad, it, it he had be. a very traumatic yeah. childhood. Yeah, yeah, it must be because so. it, both both you know tra- severe trauma in childhood and the person and whatever's done with your mom. I mean, these are major mental illness, serious mental illness, and pe- parents don't normally, so to speak, because you, you're a normal person, Taylor. And so you're like, how could this be? It doesn't make sense. How do people do this? <laughs> you know, how's that possible? And uh, and that's right in a normal motivated situation. But if you have substance or you're or you have a personality issue where you can't attach or you don't care and you're so whatever, there's lots of people out there that just don't care, and they don't. What the, the really sad part is is they don't understand they're perpetuating intergenerational transmission of trauma. Just being abandoning yeah. is enough to do that. And so now your kids are going to be attracted to people that are abandoning, right? And you have to mm-hmm. find a way – one of the ways to mitigate – there was two ways to mitigate it. One is treatment. You can get them when they're older, get some therapy for them. Second way is a stable – by the age of eight, a stable relationship outside the home with one adult over many years. So much like you had the stable relationship with your grandparents that really, really helped you, um, still left you with this attraction to you know, not so great guys, but maybe you can correct that now. Be aware, you know, the way to be aware of it is if you're super attracted to a guy, it's going to be another one of these guys. So you have to kind of go for guys that are not quite, gotcha. not, not so exciting. That makes so much sense. Not so exciting. We say think butter. <laughs> it's not. I know. Think butterflies, not lightning bolts. Okay. If you want to have a happy life and an environment for your kids, butterflies, not lightning bolts. Okay. Gotcha. That mm-hmm. makes so much sense. Yeah, oh, my I God. I know. And share it with your friends. I give this information out widely and, and freely. But it's it's so common. And then, you know, you can – if people are still resistant. But what does that say about a woman? Because she knows that he's a deadbeat. She encourages him to be a deadbeat. But she has a daughter. I don't understand it's, it's like, two, two things. how you two, could two, two, that. Two, two things. Two things. And I, and I heard this from every teen mom. They all use the same language and they said the same thing oh. to me. When, when I asked them that, I go, what are we doing? You see, you see who he is. What's up? They go, well, I, I, I really believe we could have this house and a white picket fence. They'd always say a white picket fence. I, mean, I don't know what that came from. White picket fence. Uh, in, in other words, they believed they could somehow change him and solve the problem and bring him into the family and make a family unit. And they fought like hell to make that happen, and it never worked. So there's that. There's the fantasy that they fight for with this guy once they've had a child with him. And mm-hmm. there still is that attraction problem. You still are sort of attracted, like you know, like a magnet. You're still attracted to that that bullshit, and you have to really, you know, either therapy or really work on that because uh, the attraction mm-hmm. the attraction pulls you back, right? You know what I'm saying? Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, uh, kind of. Well, tell me more because his her daughter is not his child. Her See, that's the thing. You're, you're not girl. girl. You're not. Oh. You're not answering oh, the question. The question is, girl? what's her problem? Oh, what's her same thing? Same as you, because she has a baby daddy that's abandoning. But and, she's like got that baby daddy who's doing it, and she's allowing him to do it as well. She's and, enabling and, him. And she's attracted to this new guy who th- she thinks going to solve problems with. But the fact that she's attracted, much like you, means he'll abandon her too. You understand? Yeah, and I told her that, but it didn't help. Right, because she, <laughs> she had – well, tell her – talk to her about her parents. Talk to you about her family of origin and how you're reenacting all that. Wait, as a, as a spectator, can I ask, do you truthfully think that this guy's ex is going to get the new girl to listen to anything she has to say? You know, say? There's a, I, you, you're, you're surprised as a male. Women do a lot of this sharing and warning. And, and yes, there, <laughs> there's a lot of um, not listening, but but it, they hear it. They okay. hear it. Believe me. Um, but I think you could go to her and go, hey, you know, I talked to a doctor and – they told us to look at our childhood, our, at what our parents did, and why we're doing this. Think about it, honey. What's her name? Just I guess you don't yeah. want to say it. Her name is, I believe, is Jade. Um, I know he doesn't. When he talks to me about, her, he has never said her name to me, and yeah. he's dated her uh, throughout the entire pregnancy with our daughter. He dated her the entire time. I Beautiful. didn't know she knew about me. Beautiful. I didn't know about her. Sounds but good. when I asked him about her. He said the most terrible things. Like, I've never seen him talk about a, a, his girlfriend or someone he likes in that way. She's the first person he's ever talked so dirty about. And, but he 
still stays with her. Yeah. It's such a toxic situation. She's cut his tires. She's threatened me. Taylor, I, he, I don't he has yeah. he, he has his own thing that he's attracted to too because of his background. Oh yeah. Right? So so his the the one thing that happens because you're a smart woman, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a little data with you, which is that mm-hmm. he 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 sounds like sort of a sociopath, right? And sociopaths. That's what I told him. That's right. And, and sociopaths are very attracted to people with borderline personality disorders. So look those things up online. Okay. You're, you're smart. You got to educate. You got to. Oh, I've already done it. Okay. I've already done it. That's come you know through about, very. You know about look, borderline. Look, I told him about himself, and I've tried to tell her about him, but it doesn't. Well, start looking work. at like that. I told him about her. I know, but like how she has issues, yeah. and I told him that he's a predator, and he looks for people with these issues. That's right. And so borderlines and sociopaths but, kind of go together. They're very attracted to each other. And uh, again, okay. it's hard to break these attractions if you don't have therapy. You can, like I said, go for butterflies, not lightning bolts. Okay, Taylor? Yes, sir. All right, ma'am. Good good, good call. Talk, talk again. Let us know how you're doing, okay? Okay. All right. See you. Taylor West from Virginia. Uh, this is now uh, Luis. Luis or Luis? Luis. Yes, hello, Dr. Drew. Hey, Luis. Big fan. Thank you, man. What's happening? Well, I was just, um, you know, I wanted to ask you, what do you think about, uh, you know, the term mass hysteria and the impacts that social media has had and how those two intersect? I, I think we are in the middle of almost global mass hysteria. That, that's the part that's sort of mysterious to me is why the whole world has succumbed to this. I, I see what's happening in this country, and it is not just mass hysteria. For sure, mass hysteria and mob hysteria is is on, and it happens primarily in social media, uh, mostly in Twitter, frankly. Uh, and it is no different than the mobs in the street in 1790 in Paris. And once mobs get going – the person and their usual judgment and motivation gets swept into the mob and that's the hysteria. And mobs are a way of collectively acting out aggression. Now we've had a – and usually it's a way of focusing aggression on one person so you're not taking that aggression out on one another. And it's it's the aggression of the individuals that they claim is actually outside of themselves in that other person that justifies their acting out. So everyone knows we've had a narcissistic turn. There's just no debating that. We've had a narcissistic turn in this country and the world probably. And one of the narcissistic disorders is the histrionic personality. And I began noticing about two years ago that there were much more histrionic traits. I, I was shocked to find histrionic was sort of rare when I was doing a lot of work in a psychiatric hospital. And now all of a sudden I'm seeing it everywhere. And I, the the I will just submit to you – uh, the most striking example that caught me a few a couple of years ago when every time I would uh, see some posts on social media or talk to somebody, then the word Nazi would come up and they would have specific people they were calling Nazis and seeing Nazis and Nazis were everywhere and Russians were everywhere and infiltrating. And I thought, wow, <laughs> if this person had sat in my office and told me this five years ago, I would put that person into the psychiatric hospital for delusional thought process. I would admit them. Well, in a sense, they are all in your office because now <laughs> social media gives us yeah. that insight well, into everyday people. I, the, so could it be yeah, that could it be that now we just have more access to like a broader spectrum of patients, let's say? So in other words, were they always like this? Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. Like, was there always this peppered throughout society? No. But now everybody well, yes. has a microphone. Yes, but not like this. Because, again, I would see the histrionics in the hospital, and there weren't that many of them. Lots of narcissists, lots of sociopaths, lots of borderlines, not that many histrionics. Do you think the internet is exacerbating it? Are you this aware? This is what of- I can't figure out. I Because I, why, you know, I think about personality disorders as things that are formed in childhood. Why would a bunch of narcissists suddenly go histrionic? And I think Luis is kind of onto it. It's really more mass hysteria than histrionic disorder, right? When you think about – like I, I talked to an author. I, I wrote a I, – I have a woman that helps me write my books. And uh, I was writing the book on narcissism. And I wanted to do a whole chapter on mob hysteria, mass hysteria, narcissism in 1780s France because I couldn't find a period of history that had so much childhood trauma 
other than pre-revolutionary France. And the editor wouldn't let me do it. And I brought this up with the author that day. And she goes, oh, I remember. I remember exactly what you wanted to say. I remember you were fighting for it. And they would not let you say it because it was too far-fetched, too ridiculous. Well, here we are. Now, the the Twitter is the public square now. It's the streets of Paris. People used to have to go out into the streets. What? Is Twitter the streets of Paris, though? Because I, I, I've seen studies that say that like 9% of America is on Twitter. Well, not every French person was out on the streets. That's the point. It, okay. In the in these periods of extreme action, it usually is a it's usually is a, a word that I'm going to use that a friend of mine used. It's usually an apartheid. It's usually a small number of people holding everybody else hostage. So yeah, it, it's an apartheid, and let's call it what it is. It, it, you, it's a collective apartheid of mar- mass hysteria, Luis. You're right. And you also have to see that nine percent as just a very large sample. Right? It, it is, but it's a, in it's terms a, of a study. Right, but they are having a, an effect. They're having a huge effect. Uh, oh, yeah. And, I agree. We're in a mass hysteria. Yeah. And, and, and I think yeah. somehow COVID is really was the igniting agent. You know what I mean? Um, well, it brought us together. It, it did, it was but a it, common, yeah, a enemy. common enemy, but it, but it's ruptured us as a because you know why? Because there was no consensus on what we should be doing with this common enemy, and then the different states took different actions, and now it was on. And then anything that Trump did, you had to do the opposite. So now there's that split from the beginning, and so all this splitting, which is things that again narcissists and histrionics are prone to, you know, good, bad. Black, white, in, out, in group, out group. It's just they're just prone to that kind of thinking, particularly when they get anxious, when they get when they get scared. So, Louise, keep thinking about this. What made you think about all this? You just kind of saw it. I've been telling. No, it's been a conversation that I've had with with multiple friends. I'm like, it's just a mass hysteria that's going on right now. And I just, you know, I saw the the tweet online. And I said, let me ask Dr. Drew about. But this. but but you are you are on to it. But my fear is, I, I knew the guillotines would come out. And the guillotines is cancel culture. My fear is that there could be some real violence. That's my fear. And so we have to get this kind of under control because mass hysteria, you know, mob actions usually do involve extreme aggressive acting out. So, you know what I mean? You, gotta, you don't we, think that that's already happened in a sense? In a sense. What's your background? What's your uh, training? Uh, you, social, you, social work. Okay, so you 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 have a deep you have a good sense of what's happening here, a deep understanding. Um, keep keep an eye on it. Keep thinking about it. If it changes, please let me know. Send me an email. You should get on my. Uh, I want I want to hear from you more because you're 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 in my head is in the same space. You're a social worker. You have a slightly different perspective, so I'd be interested in your insights. And, and so um, send me emails at contact at drdrew.com. Or I do um, I do live streams every sort of at least three days a week. Look for it at drdrew.tv and you can get on the chat there and I'll look for you. And if you see things, if you hear things, if you have new ideas, please bring them my way, okay? All right. All right, Luis. Good luck. I'll see you, man. Uh, let's see. This is uh, John. John, what's going on? Hi. Um, can you hear me? I do. Okay. Um, anyhow, uh, I'm just curious because I'm 53. I was married and uh, and also gay, but um, but now that I'm divorced, I've decided to go full gay. So, so let me let me. Add, that I'm, must have been rough, man. You, okay. What was it? What was that like? Trying to live straight when you were gay. Well, it was you? horrible. I've been gay since I was four, so you know I was. Wow. Raised in a highly oppressive religion, you can probably guess which one. Oh my goodness! Just and, turn it off. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And uh, that is rough. And I wouldn't have left the church except I saw the way they handled COVID, mm. mm-hmm. and I realized, like you and Adam, have been so much more correct than they have. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I realized they were lying, and so anyhow, I've just gone full gay. Well, I'm good for you for being your full self. I'm sorry that uh, you know that it might have affected. You have kids? Yeah, I do. I've had I have uh, two daughters that are grown, 21 and 25, and uh, and they love that I've come out gay. Okay. but my mom and brothers, of course, don't know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, good. So the kids are good. Everybody's good, and you're living your real self. So good for you, man. So what's the question? Okay, well, um, I was looking up, like, Gardasil, mm. and um, 
it doesn't seem like it's approved for my age, even though I'm gay now. You would it would be a I good. Just, I, you should you should find a doctor who's willing to give you that. I, I it, it goes in many situations into the forties. Uh, if you were to come to me, I would give it to you. So that's good. I would get that. Okay. Yep. I'd get that. Okay, and I've done the. I've started the hepatitis. Good. Excellent. Excellent. Good for you, man. And uh, okay. And uh, um, now, also, what, what about um, prep? You thought about that at all? Pre-exposure prophylaxis. Yeah. Do you think? You know, I'm very uh, physically active, so I don't want anything that's going to screw me up. Okay. Yeah, uh, sit down and, and talk to a doctor about it. Really think about the pros and cons. I, I have many. I've never. I've not prescribed prep myself, but I have many friends and colleagues who take it and have no side effects. Uh, I theoretically, there, there's concern about prep that it might make people a little cavalier. In other words, practice very, very careful, safe sex anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, you should sit and talk to a physician about about prep. That's something you should talk about. You can always try it and get off it if you don't like how you feel. Okay. You know, I've got to be honest, you know, I've had, you know, I've had multiple sex partners and I've had, um, you know, I have penetrated quite a few guys who just wanted bareback. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is that, what's my risk of, you know, it's dangerous, uh, right? I mean, contracting you're, not, you're, something. Not, you're not the receptive partner, right? So you're not as at risk as being the receptive partner, but, but it's, you know, it's, uh, you don't want to do that, man. You got to be careful. Okay. And I definitely, you do that, you take prep. <laughs> definitely, if you're going to do that, you should be on prep, it seems to me. Okay. Humbly. humbly. I appreciate that. So, all right, yeah, Joe. Well, good for you, man. Uh, keep keep, uh, keep being you, all right? All right. Thanks a uh, lot. You, got, you bet. I love that call. I do. I so do I. I'm envious yeah. of that guy. Yeah, I know, right? He's just into it. And he's he's, to, he's great. I mean, even yeah. when I was screening his call, I was like, hey, so what's your question? He's like, well, I just started having gay sex. Anything to worry about? I was like, wow, that, that's, that's good, good for you, man. Good for, exactly. good for you. Exactly. Like, live your John. life, man. And I'm still, I'm I'm really stoked that his daughters are, are well, into he, it. He reminds me, of, you know, I'm, as you know, I think you are too, 90 Day Fiance fan. Yep. We're following a gay couple in that story, in that series. Uh, is that the other way? I think it is yeah, the other way. And... They and he is about like John. It sounds like, and yeah. He, and he had uh, he has twenty four, twenty five year old triplet girls, yeah. And they're super cool with him being gay. They yeah. have, like no problem. It's awesome. Yeah. So it's it's and again, good for him for hanging in and not splitting a family apart when he was a teenager. He had yeah. All, he had all these very powerful urges, and he got the kids out of the house. And you know, I'm sure the mom is you know I'm not super happy about it, but hey, man, that, that's not. Uh, not for her to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just, look, I, I can. The way it is. I can feel for her as well as be yeah. happy for him. Exactly. Exactly. Usana sent me a box of active nutrition products, uh, along with being delicious. They're made with high quality ingredients, backed by research, cutting edge science. Uh, they, you should trust what they put out there. They have. Um, some exciting new products, including the uh, replacement drink. The That's the electrolyte replacement drink. You know I'm big on that. Peanut butter snack bar, which is, I love it. Detox tea for gut health and metabolism. They're not only a company that you can trust, but they're trusted by thousands of Olympic and professional athletes around the world. That's right. I want you to visit USANA, U-S-A-N-A, and USANA.com, and see each active nutrition product for yourself. And make sure to use the promo code PODCAST15 at checkout to save 15% on your active nutrition order. This promotion is for new retail customers only. Some product restrictions may apply. Support your life in motion with USANA Active Nutrition. Go to USANA, U-S-A-N-A, USANA.com, and save 15% with the code PODCAST15. Z-Biotics, that's right. Most people know that uh, you, you need to take a probiotic. And uh, some people know very clearly they get negative effects from uh, drinking alcohol after they wake up. It's not fun for anybody. Well, Z-Biotic is actually the first genetically engineered probiotic to address the after effects of alcohol. That's right. Dr. Zach Abbott began the process of genetically modifying a common bacteria already found in foods. His goal was to create a unique technology that resulted in a microbe that breaks down acetaldehyde. Acetaldehyde is one of the 
alcohol byproducts. It's part of the metabolism byproduct of alcohol. And it's responsible to one of the things that's in some people particularly highly responsible for difficult mornings after you've been drinking. Now that technology is patented in, in Z-Biotic is now on the market used by over 8,000 customers. This pre-alcohol probiotic drink is part of the Z-Biotic's mission to use genetic engineering to improve people's daily lives. That's right. You drink a small bottle of Z-Biotic before drinking. You go out, you socialize. It's not magic, but it's useful for the days you want to get up and get on with your life. And uh, if you have uh, too much of a problem, uh, that's when you need to see somebody like me. But if you're just an average person who you know, sometimes has a tough morning, it is Z-Biotic. It's particularly helpful for like wedding parties and fitness enthusiasts and runners who want to get right back to back to it the next next day and also anyone with a busy life. For 10% off a 3, 6, or 12-pack of Z-Biotics, Go to zbiotic.com, Z-B-I-O-T-I-C-S, zbiotics.com, and use the promo code DREW10. Uh, Nick, what's going on? Hey, what's up, Dr. Drew? You are awesome, bro. Thanks for having me on. You bet, buddy. What's up? So I was listening back there, and I actually have the statistics in front of me. Um, so let's estimate the U S population at 350 million. Okay. The gentleman was talking about his chances of contracting AIDS as a homosexual, mm. as compared to a heterosexual. Mm-hmm. Well, heterosexuals make up about 23% of AIDS cases in America. That's one in four mm-hmm. homosexual population, uh, represents, yep. I think 5% of the U S population mm-hmm. and 77% of the AIDS cases. Right, um, and, and most of the and most likelihood. of the and most of the heterosexual cases have acquired it through drug use, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, U.S. heterosexual population would be the, around three hundred and thirty-two million, and having a point zero 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 eight percent chance of having AIDS. That's one in one thousand two hundred and five people. Okay. Uh, U.S. homosexual population being seventeen point five million. That's five point five percent likelihood of having HIV. Uh, that's yeah. one in eighteen so that's, homosexuals so, in America so, actually have AIDS, right? So, so or he, HIV. So that was why I was telling him to take prep that he might he might well come across somebody, and that's a problem. Uh, in, if he's barebacking, that's a, that's a deal. All right, what's up, Nick? What's and your that's question? A mouthful. Yeah, but yeah, I was calling because I was educated in the nineties. I was born in eighty eight, and um, you know, a lot of the education that I received is being called. Uh, non-scientific and they're right. they're trying to discredit a lot of the gender research right. that I'm sure a lot of scientists were paid a lot of money and uh, took a lot of their time to do mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how people like traditional minded people are supposed to take to new um, gender normalities or like what well, our current administration is trying to push yeah so, so you're asking a whole series of questions there right um, it is the case that truth has a way, particularly scientifically, of coming to bear. So there will be some sort of synthesis of how you were educated and what people are thinking today. It's not going to go all one way and all the other. There will be some sort of synthetic common grounds uh, scientifically that people arrive at where they come to hopefully a deeper understanding of these issues. To say it's all one way or all the other is unfortunately uh, – dishonest, frankly. And I would say that on both sides. To be strictly biologically deterministic? No, of course not. Uh, To be strictly societal deterministic? No, I'm sorry. I'm a biologist. I'm a physician. I've seen the effects of biology. It's in genetics. It's substantial. So let's not not, uh, mince words. Both extremes are wrong and not truthful. And as a result, there will be some sort of middle ground of, of truth that people will get to. Now, but at that's, what point do we get to discredit some of the doctors who are pushing science that's well, just illogical? I, I, because I would, people like yeah. me with OCD, I have a little bit of obsessive <laughs> compulsive disorder, yeah, yes. and I have a hard time accepting yeah. things that are just not real you, you, as being real. You, you must, and there's a lot of this like science that's well, just made up, seems not grounded or uh, based on any kind of reality, and I can't accept it. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not strictly in the gender domain <laughs> that this is all going on, my friend. That there that post-structuralism, which is a French philo- group of French philosophers, Chaucer, Foucault, these guys that were completely discredited by the French fifty years ago, 
So these French philosophers from the mid-20th century, our country has become preoccupied with. And one of their tenets is that truth is relative. Truth doesn't exist. And the French think this is the most hysterical, ridiculous preoccupation of all time. They have moved on from the post-structuralist 50 years ago and see it as old-fashioned and bizarre that we should have adopted post-structuralism as a guiding principle for academia. It's bizarre. So that will change. That will change. It just will change. Uh, so that's one side. Yeah, that's what saying too. It's a trend. It's a fad. And right. it's, so it, so it truth will recur. Like this truth will reassert itself. But, but think about GWF Hegel, Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, who taught us 100 years ago that history has a way of moving forward in lurches of a, of a thesis and then an antithesis, there's a pushing back, and then a synthesis. So we're now into the antithesis right now, and there will be a synthesis if Hegel has any sense of how things actually work. I, I'm just keeping cool. that Hegelian sort of optimism in this, that we're in the antithesis and we'll get back to the synthesis at some point. If you want to follow somebody that will help you feel better about the science um, th that I think you're thinking of, you might follow Dr. Deborah So S O H. Have you seen her stuff or seen her on podcast or anything? No, I'll check her out. So, though, so for she sure. was on, she was on. I just want to say before you before you let me off, man. It, it's been an awesome ride being a fan of yours for the past. Like I li grew up listening to Loveline, bro, and like I, I wanted to say, longtime listener, first time caller to this show, and you rock, dude. Thank you, Nick. I, I will very, check out Deborah So. She did, I think she was on Rogan twice. Uh, and she was also on uh, – uh, shoot, she she was – I did an interview with her on my streaming show. But she did some really good interviews. I think it was Rogan where I really – Yeah, she definitely did Rogan. She yeah, was great. she did it twice, I think. I think she, so. She was very interesting. So look for her there, okay? Awesome. Well, I got right. the tweet from uh, Adam Carolla saying that you were taking calls, and that's why I called in. So you can thank him for my call. But well, it's have actually a good day, everybody. Thank you, Nick. It's actually Gary as Adam. So Gary, I, you can thank Gary and, directly. And it was it was the Adam Carolla show <laughs> account. I, I'm not I'm not messing with the personal account, but we use the show one to promote. Come on, I need calls, baby. Hell yeah! All right, buddy. Thanks, Nick. Thank you, Nick. All right. Thanks. Take care. Uh, all right. So I got to wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you all for being here. We appreciate the calls. We appreciate you guys supporting the show and supporting the people that support our show so we can keep the winds in the sail of the Corolla Pirate Ship. As I've talked about a bit today, I'd like to see you on some of the other pods and streams and things. We do a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, really enjoying creating lots and lots of content. And I feel like each each little sort of outlet has its own sort of thematic structure. This one, we do calls once in a while. And also, I'm sort of here talking to scientists and authors and more, more academic Yeah, people. but by all means, if you want to hear Drew give you know 31-year-old's advice about jerking <laughs> off, go check out Dr. Drew After Dark. It's a really funny show. Yeah, I like well, it. It is a good show, and it's a little – it's sort of a new incarnation of Loveline. Really, yeah, right now, I, I think so. it is, and I think it's great. I love, the, I love how much and, you've involved the booth guys. And we have a, a very, very – interesting time in austin coming your way in the next few weeks so check it out looking forward to that talk to y'all soon for calling times and topics follow the show on twitter at dr drew podcast that's d-r-d-r-e-w podcast the music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the dr drew podcast now available on itunes and while you're there don't forget to rate the show the dr drew podcast is a corolla digital production and is produced by chris loxamana and gary smith for more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. 